Starting all over again, it's gonna be rough on us, but we're gonna make it. It's breakfast with Bob. Thank you, Pacho Man. <laughs> it's so good to be back at Huggles on the Rock. So my name is Bob. I, I, I need to, to ask Pancho Man if I can download it. edition. How cool oh, is that, Sebi? Yeah, I, I, I was about to say, I want to ask Pancho Man if I can download the jingle somewhere as my uh, ringtone in the morning to keep me motivated for 2021 then. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Our next guest, two-time Ironman 70.3 world champion, challenge Roth champion 2018, uh, 2014 Ironman world champion. The great Sebastian Keenlane joins us from his sauna in beautiful Germany. <laughs> How are you feeling, Seb, after your crash and surgery? You good? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else can uh, can 2020 <laughs> throw at me to to uh, to make me feel bad. But uh, no, I mean, honestly, it's it's um, considering the circumstance, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, my shoulder is is coming along very well. Uh, it's not bothering me anymore during training um just sleeping on the left side is not perfect but that's not really a problem <laughs> we just yeah. turned the sofa around <laughs> exactly but and you got to have a you got to do a race which i'm a little jealous of you was in september you got to <laughs> finally do a race i know you're yeah, you know, it, back to when you were 12 years old starting a race and not racing for this long and you had to be going out of your mind how did it feel the race oh it was absolutely it was awesome you know i mean I think that comes with age. Uh, you look back and everything seems to be purple uh, and super nice. You know, even even the stressful Kona race week and uh, even like traveling with two bikes and all that kind of stuff. It it um, feels so appealing to me when it's not there. To be honest, I mean, um, I I mean on the on the one hand side I I really missed racing a lot but then on the other hand um, it showed me that that I'm still not ready to to quit that I still really love it you know um, it wasn't like oh finally a reason to have a off year and to have a little bit of a break uh, um, from the sport or whatsoever no it was actually the other way around I was like oh god I had so many plans and so many. Uh, so much motivation for this year and so yeah it just showed me that i still love the the, the sport yeah yeah it, it, it's funny because we i think you're a lot we're we're a lot alike in terms of we love the race like i raced i think 30 times last year if, if i every weekend i like to be in a transition area and not seeing the people probably more so than the, the suffering in the race but just the morning and seeing all your friends and you know it, it there's a camaraderie among all you top pros because I think you sort of know in your sport, the best person is going to win. There's really, you can talk psychological crap, but at the end of the day, the best person is going to win. So you can be friends with the people you're racing against. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I mean, that even over the years, it became even more important and you really understand like the the lifestyle and, and everything. At the beginning, when I started my professional career, uh, the only thing was winning, you know, like prove myself, um, 
prove that I'm the best and so on and so on. And, uh, and then over the year, you really start to enjoy like all the, all the other things at the beginning of my career. I mean, I, I don't want to say I hated training, but it definitely wasn't something I, I, I love to do. It was more like, I want to win. I have to do it. Um, um, and that, that was basically the, the only reason, but especially during this year, um, I, I realized how much it also is, uh, therapy for me, <laughs> um, yeah. to, to, to say, so it's just, uh, good for your mental state and, uh, and everything. So, and yeah, like you said, I mean, just the camaraderie and, uh, like seeing all the other guys and, uh, it's, um of course i mean it's still a connection there and you still chat and shoot some messages to to everybody uh but it's just not the same than hanging around in kona for what not like two months or whatever <laughs> yeah so the, i was reading a a great quote from you recently the more you hate yourself over the last 10k the more you love yourself at the finish Talk a little bit about that because I, I totally that just clicked with me and it's really true because the more you're suffering at the end of that race, the more you appreciate that effort when you don't quit and you actually get there. Absolutely. I mean, that's a reason why an Ironman has to be 3.8k swim, 180k on the bike and a marathon because it's all a foreplay for that moment where you don't want to go anymore, where you want to quit and where you where you think like, oh, this was the worst idea in my whole life. And uh, and if you overcome that moment, that's what really makes you proud. You know, that's more important than, than everything else. I mean, those are the moments that really stick to you even like 10, 15 years later. Um, it's not like um, that, I, that you won the, the race with a new course record or, the, or that you won by five minutes or whatever. Sometimes I think it's even for me, second place can be uh, more rewarding to me mentally um, than a win if I know I overcame this like moment where I didn't want to go anymore and I just made myself push through it. Tell me a, a couple of experiences like that because I know when you won in 2014 I think to a certain degree you were looking at it, oh Jan sort of messed up and yeah it was I won but I didn't beat Jan on his best day. Yeah. Talk about it. Talk about a couple of races where you, you feel like even if you didn't win, that you had the best day you could have had. Um, there are definitely a lot of, a lot of races that, that can come up when I think about situations like that. Obviously it was the very first edition of um, uh, Ironman Hawaii for me in uh, 2012. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I had a flat tire. I was in the lead with uh, Marino van Honacker. And um, I mean, you know, standing there for like five, six, seven minutes um, next to the highway. I made a big mistake when it comes to like um, uh, equipment choice or not equipment choice, but the way I was able to fix it myself. I was really angry about myself at that moment, but I was angry about everything you know i was angry about the world and uh, whatever fate um i don't know um and and you know how it is standing there with your arrow helmet on and in the heat it's like the worst five minutes in your whole life like it's uh, so terrible and you hear the clock ticking tick tock tick tock and then the next group passes by and you think like 
oh, this race is over. And um, I remember like jumping back on the bike and I, I, uh, I just like, I had so much more energy. <laughs> I, I felt so, at the beginning I was just angry. And then I sort of like settled in and realized, hey, uh, you can still have something out of this race. And at the end, I ended up being fourth place at my very first uh, Kona edition. And um, and also, I Marino had to drop out at the beginning of um, the energy lap. And he was in the lead by, I don't know, two, three, four minutes. And it just, everything condensed in like my very first race. First of all, you learned like, you can always keep going. There's always something in it to fight for. And even if you lead the race with like three, four minutes, you can still still uh, have to drop out and uh, you have no chance. So, of course, that was one of the, the experiences. And um, and then I think it's a lot of, of races I remember that were really close where I was just able to push through. Another race um, that pops up is definitely last year in at Ironman Frankfurt. Um, I stepped into a piece of glass when at the Australian exit after this first swim lap. And um, uh, I mean, you know, start a day like that and you realize when you run through transition, oh, there's something really wrong. And, um, you know, it's a very long bike ride and you have a lot going on in your mind. And, you know, there's a marathon coming up. and I mean, I didn't have any pain at that moment, not not at all, but I knew there's something wrong with my foot. And as soon as I have to like step on my heel, it's going to hurt really, really bad. And so I didn't know what's going to happen. And I mean, if you have a bad moment, something like that is going to kill you. I mean, it's you're not going to be able to, to push through if you have something like that in your mind. And then... Um, yeah, I was super lucky. Like they, uh, the um, medical team in uh, T1 um, did a great job, and uh, so I was able to just at the beginning it hurt, it hurt it uh, um, quite a bit, but then it was fine, and uh, and I realized like it's not, it's not something that that is holding me back. And I had a flat tire in that race as well, but um, I was lucky enough this time that it worked like i thought it's gonna work so uh tubeless tire with sealant and the sealant did a job and so right at the entrance of uh, t2 the tire was basically with no air anymore and <laughs> so um yeah i mean i could keep going like this uh for forever over the years you have a lot of experiences like that and um those are really the experience that um that help help you not only in uh, in the sport but in general life. Yeah, well, I was interviewing Cam Worth about Challenge Roth uh, in 2018, and a conversation I don't think has ever happened before, where he's riding along and he says, "Sebastian's uh, trying to go by me," and I said, "Sebby, why don't you sit back there and save your legs?" For <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can remember that. It was it was crazy. I was like, he was in the front like the whole time on the bike. And yeah. I I thought like, well, I mean, we are riding away from everybody else. And I thought at least I want to like show some goodwill and yeah. contribute to the, you know, to the to the chase and try to uh try to show that 
I appreciate his work and try to to work like to make our gap bigger towards the other guys. And yeah, I was just in front for like I don't know 400 meters, and uh, I I don't know if it was too slow for him, but I was pushing like I don't know 450 and 420 watts. It was up a hill in in grading, and he just passed me again and said like, "Hey, um, uh, save your legs for the run. I'm just riding tempo." <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, Cam. Uh, Cam is a crazy dude. I mean, uh, and he has some pretty strong legs. That's for sure. The other thing, what I, what he said was so impressive because he had, I think, done an Ironman the week before or something silly. I think he had eight <laughs> Ironmans that summer trying to learn yeah. the sport, right? And he said, so because I get off the bike and Sebi goes by me and he goes, he's going to drop out. He looks like crap. He says, then Jesse Thomas goes by and he looks even worse. <laughs> I'm thinking I, I'm going to I'm going to end up on the podium here because these guys both look like crap. There's no way. And then you ran, I think, 247. Jesse runs 244. You win it, Jesse, in third. And he he goes, I realize then it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter. Well, that you look crap. I think the the main problem here is how Cam thinks he looks like and how he really looks like. I mean, compared to Cam, I think um, Jesse and I looked like top models on the runway. Um, yeah. Because if you would have had a mirror beside yeah. the run course and he could see himself, I think he would have realized that he is going to be the one that will end up uh, yeah. in, uh, in, uh, in, the last, in the last place of, of, of us uh, three or four. But... But uh, he's right, nevertheless. Um, it's it's totally totally right. I mean, you know, I've heard it so many times, um, especially when I run um, behind Jan or in front of him. That doesn't happen very often, but um, because Jan is so tall and he makes so long strides, it it sometimes looks slow, but it is not. It just <laughs> makes big strides, and and so the people cheer me on like. You look faster than him. You look faster than him. And I'm like, yeah, might be, but I'm not faster than him. That's just because the splits are getting slower and the gap is getting bitter towards him. So I'm not running faster than him. And the same thing is when you chase Lionel or when he's chasing you, like the people are cheering me on. Like, I think he's going to cramp. He's going to cramp. He, he's limping. He's limping. And, but he's just like, you know, limping uh, 320, uh, 315 pace a K and is catching me and then drops me. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. So Cam is absolutely right. It's not a, not a runway. So you have the, the opportunity to race simply some of the greatest athletes who've ever been in our sport, right? You're, you're in the era with, with, uh, with Jan Frodeno and uh, Patrick Lange and with Lionel Sanders. And obviously you're a huge part of that. When you finish second to someone like Jan Frodeno, you could be feeling, gosh, if Jan wasn't racing now, I would be King Kong. I would be winning everything. But are you, you're the type of guy you want somebody who's maybe who pushes you to get the best out of you. How important is it to have those type of guys in the sport to keep you in the sport? Well, I mean, uh, you know, um, Maka once said, I don't want to be a champion of a nobody sport. And I mean, that's the thing, like, 
Um, when you race a guy against a guy like Jan, you know he's not a nobody, and um, he uh, he just I think he he elevated the the sport for for all of us, and um, so therefore obviously it's a it's a huge huge motivation um, for sure. So um, yeah, it just I mean I know um, sometimes during a race you wish like ah. Oh, it would be so so uh, so much nicer if not if none of the short course guys uh, showed up at uh, Nice and I could run down first place um, at, at the, this wonderful finish line. But uh, it's not that's not what you really want. You want to to be pushed to the to the limit, and I mean that means sometimes you end up fourth, fifth place. It doesn't really really matter, but it's. Um, Sometimes you have to taste the bitterness of a fifth place to to uh, to know how sweet a victory can be. When I look at last year's Kona, you know, Jan went seven fifty one was in a different world. But when I look at second, third, fourth, Tim O'Donnell seven fifty nine forty one, then you're right out there at eight oh two oh four, and Ben Hoffman eight oh two fifty two. So the three of you guys are basically within you know three minutes of, of each other at the end of a 140.6 mile race that's taking eight hours. How hard is it to be racing? You're racing that last couple miles of that race, trying to make sure you stay on the podium because Ben Hoffman's out there having this phenomenal run. Talk a little bit about that, the last part of the race when you're, when you're trying to hold your spot, you're trying to also think, well, maybe I can catch Tio. And then you've got this guy, Ben Hoffman coming from behind who's on fire just what's going through your head when you see all this? Cause you come out of the energy lab, you're seeing everybody and they're seeing you. Yeah. You already, uh, I mean, you already, uh, said the, the, the right thing with, um, the more you hate yourself at the end of a, of a race, the more you, you love yourself. And sometimes you need the help of the other guys to, to really help hate yourself. And I mean, at that moment, it's just like, at one point, it's not even, I, Okay, till like 30k in the race, I was pushing because I thought um, there's always a chance that somebody is gonna completely crack. You know, even Jan um, uh, is 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 a human being. So um, even if he sometimes looks absolutely invincible, I mean, he he can be beaten. That's that's for sure. And then of course I thought like, but pretty realistically, I can run down to, and then with like 12k to go, I knew probably not going to happen anymore and I was more looking towards the back and uh, realized hey um, Ben is probably gonna chase you down and at that moment you just hope that he will be happy with fourth place and that he is in in uh, the same pain you are and that he is just happy that he's not having to fight um, uh, for the fourth place because fifth place is catching him so at one point you're just happy where you are and you hope like okay um, Hopefully he's not not motivated enough to try to to search on you. But I know Ben very well, and you know I know how strong he is, especially uh, um, at the end of a race. I mean, seven hours seven hours thirty into the race, that's uh, Ben's warm up, you know. And uh, so therefore, I know I knew that it's gonna be really really tough. And I mean, running down Palani Road, I I, I thought like I gonna you know 
I gonna cramp up and the people were already like, yeah, super third place, uh, podium, great, and so on. And you're like, <laughs> you have no clue. It's not over yet. It's not over um, until until you really cross that finish line. And so, but yeah, um, that that's why you really really happy with the third place at the end of uh, of such a long day um, is because you really had to fight for it. The, you had a, a, a quote last year when we were doing our show where you said there, there, there's a fine line be, be, between being <laughs> and being fucked. I love that. Yeah. And I, it really came to my, came to, uh, to me, I really saw that. Jan Frodeno is on the way to breaking the course record. He's coming across the line, right? And he basically, his body stops. And Mark Allen mm-hmm. and Dave Scott have to prop him up. The guy who's breaking the course record <laughs> can't stand up anymore because he has absolutely nothing left. Is, is that that fine line between being fit and being fucked? Uh, no, I would not say so. Um, I think that that's just how you want to feel at the end of such a race is, um, and you also, I mean, at that, that moment, like everything, you know, shuts down when you cross that finish line and, um, you're just so happy that you don't have to walk a single step anymore. So, I mean, it's, it's just at that moment, you're just really also really happy. You are in a lot of pain, but you are also really, really happy that you that you make it. And I think um, that's the reason why he also absolutely emptied the tank. And I mean, uh, if you ask him now, I think he, uh, he would say like, yeah, um, I'm super happy that I absolutely gave it everything because you never know when's the next chance and uh, and how good the next day is. And if you have a day like that, you need to go like with everything you got. It doesn't matter like how how big of a lead you have because now he can be really proud of what he achieved. So what I meant with that um, saying was more like um, during the preparation for such a race, you always think you have to to do something absolutely extraordinary, something that has never been done before something that you have never been done before doing before you have to, you want to set like all records in training. You want to like ride the most miles. You have most intensity. You want to be as light as possible and so on and so on. And that's, that's what I, what I meant with um, that's a thin line between being fit and fucked because of course you, you, you want to be like at your very, very best, but at the same time, um, usually one step too far and you're just injured and you're not even make it to the start line or you make it to the start line and you're, you're injured or you are so absolutely burned out that you are not gonna, gonna have what it takes to, to even, um, yeah, go, go all out in the, in the race anymore. And, um, because you all burned all your matches in, <laughs> in these crazy training sessions. And I think a lot of people make that mistake and that's what I was referring to. So when you look back at your career, what do you look back at as your toughest moment? Um, I mean, there were definitely also a couple of really, really tough moments. But I think um, um, 2018, when I had to drop out in Kona, I think that was a really, really tough moment because... um, you you are ready for for everything in this race and you are ready to to suffer a lot and um i was ready to suffer but then 
um, you know, an, an injury is something you don't want to suffer through, you know, and it's um, at, at that, in that moment when you realize, oh, you're probably not going to be able to, to finish, um, like your world collapses basically because you put so much on the, on the line, you, you worked so hard for, for that day. And, uh, um, and then in that moment, it's just really, really tough. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, there were other tough, tough moments for sure. I think, um, when, uh, in, in Mont-Tremblant in 2014, um, I, uh, I just, uh, won two, uh, um, 70.3 world titles in, in Vegas and, I went there and I I saw that I was really really well prepared and I was really fit and then I get a shot against uh, Javi Gomez and Jan Frodeno and I probably had like just the worst day uh, in my triathlon career probably um, and when you start the race and you feel like something is just wrong and it's so difficult and then you're uh, um just like my my willpower left me basically alone it was it was just really really uh, bad but then on the other hand there's also always things that you can take out from uh, from su such experiences yeah what what do you look back at as your happiest memory from racing this year this year <laughs> uh happiest moment I mean, there haven't been a lot of happy moments, to be honest. Um, no, not just this year. No, your your career. Ah, <laughs> um, I think um, uh, 2012 when I won my first um, 70.3 World Championship in in Vegas, it was absolutely awesome because you know I think not a lot of people had me uh, had me on the shortlist uh, for 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 winning this race. Right. Um, myself included, and I also thought I would not be the type of guy that performs very well under these very hot uh, conditions we had in in Vegas all the time. And um, it's also there's after that, you know, after that first big win, you always have these um, these immense um, expectations about yourself and your performance and so on. So after that first win, it's never, never the same again to, to win like your first big title because then uh, it's just a proof of your status and proof of, of uh, what you have done. And there's no surprises anymore and, and, and so on. So um, I would say that's really one of, the, of the, the days that really stick. And of course, I mean, there were a lot of other um, big big uh races and big moments and i think also races where i i won where i thought it would not be possible anymore like um the championship race in samurin last year i had a really bad day on the bike um probably also as bad as uh, the day i had in montremblant but but this time i was really able to to fight through and uh, fight till the very end and then i i won it with like uh 400 500 meters to go on the run course and that was really satisfying because i knew i had a pretty bad day but i didn't give up and still uh yeah got the w what what is it about you uh, you've been doing this for so long you're still you've adapted and become 
better across the board, better swim, bike, run. What is it? What is about you that's that you think has helped to make you a champion? Ooh, <laughs> it's um, uh, that's a big question. I mean, it's a it's a lot of uh, different things. Of course, first of all, it's um, you have to have a certain uh, luck when it comes to genetics. At one point, it's I mean, in our sport, there's a lot about work and dedication to details and everything. But you still have to have a certain talent. So, I mean, I can really not do nothing uh, um, for that or against that. So that's one of the things. And then uh, I think I was very lucky with my with my parents and their support, how they supported me from the from the very beginning. I think that's that's really, really important. And then the next step, of course, is like, you have to be lucky sometimes to meet like the right people, like the right coaches and so on. Yeah. But of course, at the end, it's always about you and your decisions. And, um, and sometimes you have to, yeah, you have to be, be dreaming really big. Um, I mean, you don't, you can't be afraid of dreaming big. I think that's one of the things, um, uh, and I, I did that for a very long time. And, um, and then I made a, a couple of right decisions, I think. Yeah. What's left for you to accomplish? Is there, is there a, a win <laughs> that you haven't gotten yet that you want or a race that you obviously want to win again? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, to have another shot at this place in the background of you <laughs> that would obviously um is obviously a really big motivation i think um we we are we are in the golden generation really that's what i what i feel uh when i think about guys like jan and and alistair and uh, and a lot of other like good athletes we have uh currently in in our sport so and I, I think um, there's not too many chances left for me and there's not too many chances left to race against these guys, um, especially not at Ironman World Championships. Yeah. So therefore, it's really bitter, obviously, to, uh, to have one chance taken away um, this year. But, but that leaves me even more motivated for, for next year. So obviously, that would be a big thing. And then I think... Um, there's still a lot of of races uh, on the on the calendar. I would would love to to do. I mean, I've been on the same schedule for a very long time. Um, and I mean, this year obviously I would have loved to do Ironman South Africa, and that would have been a big big goal for for this year to to win a, a championship title on another um, continent. And yeah, I think there's there's still a lot to do. And I like I said, I still enjoy the the sport in general um, doesn't matter racing or, or wins or whatsoever. So yeah, I will definitely be around for a little bit longer if my body allows me to. Will you be coming to challenge Daytona? Absolutely. If they, uh, um, uh, if they let us in, if it's possible um, with the whole situation. Um, I mean, you know, also that a lot of people here and I mean, obviously the situation is probably not very uh, encouraging, but um, they tell me it's, you should not have that as a goal. It's totally unrealistic. Um, the race is not going to happen. Uh, and if it's going to happen, you're not going to be, uh, you don't have a chance to, to, to go there, but you know, I don't really care. I mean, 
the thing is i i train i yeah on monday i basically started like an eight week program like really tough um tough eight weeks and um it doesn't matter because you know one of the main focus for for this race will obviously to to improve my swim and improve my run and um i mean it's it's the one race that basically can uh, can turn this year around and so I am very, very motivated for this race. And if it's not going to happen or if I won't be able to go there, I, I had eight weeks of really good training and then I probably deserve, then I probably hate myself enough to deserve a break. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Lionel Sanders is on the velodrome and we, I talked to Starkey the other day and he goes, you know, we have a couple of velodromes here in Chicago. I'm not <laughs> saying I'm on them, but there's velodromes here. We're training. So, and from talking to the to build on a challenge day tone is that listen we've got events here every weekend with twenty thousand people in the stands you know we're we're all ahead full this event's going to happen so you know the big question will be getting out of europe and being able to get there and yeah not have that's really i mean i think um you know when you look at the pto they did an awesome job the whole whole year to to support um uh, us pros and especially like the guys that are not at the very very top because for us it's obviously a little bit easier i think um if you have established yourself you know like you have the social media power and so on and so on to still um yeah provide some some value to you to your sponsors um and i i, I just hope they uh, they find a way to to make it possible you know i mean uh, um in in tennis the us open uh, took place with uh, people from europe so uh, why not for 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 us in in triathlon? I think um, would just be uh, be fair, and I think um, if we can make it safe for for all of us, and I think that that should be possible. I mean, I have already experience with uh, some some travels this year, and it was always a little bit more complicated. But I think um, it was pretty safe for everybody, not just for the athletes, but also you want to. You don't want to be any risk to the people at your destination and you don't want to be a risk for the people when you come back so i think but we can make this possible and um at one point um we just need to try to make it um make life more normal uh yeah. without taking unnecessary risks and um obviously for for us um basically working in this sport not just doing it for for fun obviously it's still fun but um it would be very important to have an event like that yeah love it sebastian hopefully we will be at challenge daytona so we will that would be awesome we, we, then we it's not then there. it's not dinner with uh bob it'll be it, it'll, it'll right be, now <laughs> brunch or it'll be dinner it'll be something but we'll have uh, myself and john and we're all excited to see you there Hey, Sebi, thank you so much. Again, we are brought to you by Hoka One One, Crago Tri, Four Seasons Wildlife, Challenge Daytona, Form Goggles, Canyon Bikes, Normatech, Amp Human, Velofix, UCAN, and of course, our Challenge Athletes Foundation. Sebastian Keeley has been our guest. Thank you, buddy, for taking time. Always a pleasure.